0: Someone said to me, I like the way you teach because you're funny. And I said, I'm sorry, but there's nothing funny about you. <laughs> I'm going to go as fast as I can and try to get through as much of this as I can. So you have to forgive me for that. The book of Job is is considered one of the great masterpieces of the world. It's in our world lit book that I have used for years, along with the Sermon on the Mount, along with the sections of Genesis. This is the poetic masterpiece of ancient times. Um, the first part and the last part are like bookends. Uh, the first part and the last part pretty much are from an old 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 story that has been passed around orally it has all the signs of being an oral story lots of repetition uh, things that you can remember he was you know it's like once upon a time there was a man named Job in the land of us that's what that's the way it starts and it tells you how wealthy he was how good he was it tells you he had seven boys three girls. You can remember that. Seven, 7,000 of this, 3,000 of that. 500 of this, 500 of that. I mean, there's no nobody died during the night. It, this is a story to be remembered, to be told to your children. This is told in a preliterate time. And it's a way for you to remember the story. And you can remember it. You can remember those numbers, because they all add up to 10,000, 1010 all of them add up. And the, the, word, the language is pretty much the same. Uh, there's a deal made between God and one of His angels. Evidently in this time, and I hope that doesn't bother you, I talk about that that, that way. this is not Job is not a Jew. He's from the patriarchal days. He sacrifices for his children regularly. That's his, that's, that's his religion. He prays to God and sacrifices for all of his children, not just in case they did something wrong, but in case they thought something wrong, in case they cursed God in their hearts. He's very good about doing that faithfully. But that's patriarchal time. That's not the time of that you will learn about in the middle of the poem, where they actually mention things that are that are more that are later. Uh, <clears throat> The, the angels are sort of gathered, and the one who goes around checking on people, the adversary, uh, comes up, and God says, Have you noticed my servant Job? And then what does he say? He is such a good man. He's perfect in every way, except I'm not quoting it exactly, because he's going to say it that same way over and over. He's, he's a wonderful man. And the adversary says, Well, <laughs> he's rich. You know, anybody that's rich is going to be good, right? <laughs> that's a, con- a conventional thought that isn't quite true. And You wonder where that guy's been that he's thought that. Anybody that's rich is going to be good. Take away what he has, God said, and you'll find out he's, he will hang on. I, I'm going to have to read it because he says it better than I say it. You can do what you want to. Does God, uh, Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he'll curse you to your face. God has absolute confidence in Satan and says very well, Why, do it. You said he had confidence in Satan. <laughs> in Job. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you, you, what you <laughs> <laughs> He has confidence in Job. Very well then. He's in your hands, but on the man himself, don't lay a finger. So, first messenger comes in. What's happened? (coughs) A raiding group has come in, taken taken everything away. Second messenger comes in. They they all say, and I alone am left to tell the tale. Second one comes in. Fire has struck. All these animals are dead. I alone am left to tell the tale. Third messenger comes in. This has happened. I alone am left to tell the tale. Fourth messenger comes in and all of his sons and daughters have been killed because a strong wind has wiped out the house. All the servants, all the children are dead. Job tears his clothes and says, Naked I came to the world. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this he did not sin." And so in comes the adversary again. From've been uh, where you been? God asked him. I've been roaming the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to him, "Have you considered my servant, Job? There's no but one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. God has confidence in Job. Well, skin for skin, says the adversary. Strike him. Do something to him. And then you'll learn. You'll learn what he's got, what he's made of. So, so Satan went out, and God says, okay, do it. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. He's gone out and is sitting among the ashes outside the city, the city dump, The horrible place where all your rubbish, all your waste is is piled. His wife says, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So it's a deal that they have made. Do not say to somebody who is suffering from some illness, well, maybe you're having it. Maybe God is testing you the way he tests the joke. Don't say that to anybody. This is a one-time event in a one-time story in which God is trying to prove something to the adversary. And I'm going to read you from, the, from my world book, what they say. <clears throat> the prologue, prologue explains God's motive in allowing Job to suffer. It's an important one. God intends to use Job as a demonstration to his skeptical subordinate of the fact that a human being can retain faith in God's justice in the face of the greatest imaginable suffering. This motive, which Job does not know and which is never revealed to him gives to the dialogue between Job and his friends its suspense and importance. God has rested his case that humanity is capable of keeping faith in divine justice against all appearances to the contrary in this one man. He's proving to the adversary human beings of faith can hold on. And if I said raise your hand when you, if you know somebody in this congregation, who has proven that to be true? You could think of some. Catherine Broadway has proven that is true. Wayne Reed has proven that is true. You can't shake the faith of those two. You couldn't shake Joan Van Hooser's faith. I'm going to tell you one that you may or may not know about. Faye Reeder's mother had little Faye and a brand new baby when a blood clot was Moved by a chiropractor. And she was paralyzed from here down. In a hurry to put a trach in, the doctor severed her vocal cords. And Faye's mother lay for 33 years on the bed. Able to communicate only with her eyes. Her mind was crystal clear and perfect. She communicated her faith. To faith. There is proof that a human being can withstand whatever if he has faith in God. Uh, in A Man's Search for Meaning uh, the writer, Frankl uh, quotes Nietzsche uh, and Nietzsche said a person can stand any what if there's a why. And Frankel then goes on to talk about people who are in Auschwitz who withstand the what? Because they had a why. Um, and many of you have read about Cory ten Boom as an example of that. Well, anyway, this is, this is what's going on. This is God's absolute confidence in human beings. If they have faith in him, he believes they can take whatever comes. And Job is his proof. Okay, let's let's start looking at what happens after that. Three friends in the old, old, old story, three friends come and they they've come to comfort Job. And I guess their intentions were good. The best thing they do is they sit for seven days and say nothing. That's probably their one contribution to him. They said absolutely one, nothing. But then they, you know... <laughs> Job thinks, I'm safe. I'm safe. I can tell him how I feel. I can talk. And he's wrong. He's not safe. Let's listen to what Job says. Uh, Chapter 3. I'm just going to read Hit and Miss. Uh, May the day of my birth perish and the night it was said a boy is born. He wants that day absolutely to disappear from the calendars of the world. He wants that day to be wiped out. He wants there to be no memory of that day. He doesn't know how he, um, he said, then I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest with kings and counselors of the earth. Nancy Posey remembers where kings and counselors are quote quote is quoted. Do you? It's Bartleby. Uh, Herman Melville's Bartleby to it lie down. But I prefer not to. <laughs> That's right. That's what Bartleby said, I prefer not to. Uh, okay, we're going to look at the first um, the first response with, of the three. There are three men, they seem to respond in order of age. Eliphaz seems to be the oldest of the three, then uh, uh, Bildad, and then Zophar. They begin to respond to him. And you would think they'd say, oh, I know it hurts, it must be horrible. That's not what they say. Uh, Eliphaz says, <laughs> well, can a man be more just than God? And I don't think that, that a man can be. And then he says, I'm going to lay a little vision on you. I've had a little word from the Lord. Frankly, that was not the thing to say. I've <laughs> had a little word from the Lord. And what the Lord said to me in a whisper at night was. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can man be more pure than his maker? If God has no trust in his servants, is that true? No. All, all of the people in this play, from this point on, by the way, I think of it as a poetic drama. It's either a dramatic, dramatic poem or poetic drama. And I, I guess I forgot to explain something I believe about that, but anyway. Uh, is, is a kind of attack you know, a kind of nice attack on Job the attacks are going to get worse um, Shakespeare used to take old, old, old stories like story of Hamnet and create Hamlet out of the old, old story <laughs> In Hamnet and uh, Hamnet Hamnet chops up the guy who stabs through the curtain and cooks his and feeds the rest of the pigs. That didn't happen in Hamish. But Shakespeare took the old, old story and made this incredible poetic drama out of it. That's what the writer here has done. He's taken the old, 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 old story, and he has created this poetic drama about that old, old story uh, from it. Let's look at uh, what Bildad has to say. Bildad gets a little bit worse. Oh, Job, I'm sorry, Job, Job responds then. Uh, <clears throat> in chapter 6, if, my, if only my angu- anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales. Uh, look at... Uh, well, you don't have to look at all these. I'll just read them to you. Uh, verse 14, a despairing man should have the devotion of his friends. His friends shouldn't come and say things like that to him, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams. You came to make me feel better. You're not making me feel better. Um, I think the guy even said, I would pray, Job, if I were you. Can you imagine going to Wayne Reed and saying, I would pray? I know Wayne. I eat with him every Tuesday night. Jerry and I do. He prays for you. He writes notes to people who are sick. He ri- uh, Van Hooser read one of the notes that Wayne wrote to Joan Van Hooser about how much he admired her. I sat in a rehab where Jackie uh, England was sitting here and Wayne Reed was sitting here and when they went back to the separate rooms and I visited them Wayne said, isn't she amazing? Isn't she amazing? Look what she's been through. Look, at it. she is amazing. And I went to see her, and she said, isn't he amazing? He gets up and tries all those exercises. How does he do that? Each one thought the other was suffering more. Each other, they were trying to build the other up. So you say to, to somebody like that, if I were you, I would pray. Can you imagine saying that to Scott Broadway? If I were you, I'd pray. You think he doesn't pray? You think they don't live in prayer? Okay. In the sixth chapter, Job says this has been going on for months. This isn't just a week that's happened. This has been going on for months. And he's pretty much without hope. Bildad says to Job, your words are just blustering wind. I bet your children did it. (laughs) What have your children been up to? And we know that he has been praying for his, on behalf of his children every, at every opportunity that he can. And uh, let's go on to chapter 9, verse uh, uh, 27. I say to myself, I'll forget my complaint. I'll change my expression and smile. <laughs> I'm going to keep my chin up. I'm gonna do the best I can. Joan Van User used to say, I put on I get up and I put on lipstick. You know, I'm gonna to try to, I'm going to try to look good. I'm gonna to try to keep keep my spirits up. He says, I I try to keep my chin up. But I need a mediator. I need somebody between me and God. Job, like his friends, believes that if you're good, God blesses you. If you're bad, God punishes you. They all believe that conventional wisdom. They all think that's the truth. And it isn't the truth. And we know it isn't the truth. We know what has happened. But they all believe it, including Job. And he said, where is that God I used to know? The God that used to be with me? The God that blessed me? We talked. We where is that God? that I used to know and he said I know there is a mediator someplace a little later on he'll say I know I have a redeemer somewhere who could talk on my behalf to God and tell him I haven't done anything Job never says I have never sinned he never says that his plea is I have not sinned so phenomenally that I deserve this my sin is not so egregious that I deserve constant pain, constant suffering, the rejection of people who walk by me, who spit at me, rejection of the rest of my family, my cousins, my uncles, my... I've, all of that has happened. I don't deserve that. I've not sinned that egregiously. I want God to come down here. I want to talk with him about I want to see what in the world is going on. Why have you done it? Where are you? Where is the God I remember? Um, after Bildad and others have said terrible things to him, and Zophar gets worse than, than the other two. He's the harshest yet, he says in chapter 11. Are all these words to go unanswered? Is this talker to be vindicated? <laughs> Calling Job a talker, uh, is he to be vindicated? Will your, will your idle talk reduce men to silence? Will no one rebuke you when you mock? You say to God, "My beliefs are flawless, and I am pure in your sight." Oh, how I wish God would speak and he'd open his lips against you. That's Bildad or Zophar talking to him, and and in uh, chapter twelve, Job cannot resist. Doubtless, you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. <laughs> but I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior to you. I've become a laughingstock to my friends, though I called upon God. Okay. Um, in, I'm, I'm looking at pages. Thir- chapter 13, um, he says that pretty much again. Chapter 13, verse 3, But I desire to speak to the Almighty and argue my case with God. He tells them to be still and let him talk. In verse 15 he says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Uh, Now that sounds as though he's proud. That's not it. I'm going to defend the fact that I have not sinned sufficiently to to deserve what you're going to do. I'm going to defend that till I die. I didn't do anything that bad. Uh, and he's going to explain himself later on. That the kind of man he's been. But even though he slays me, I will not lose faith in him. Um, in. Let's see, chapter, I've got, my notes are difficult to read. (laughs) They're all on the sides of my page. Um, In chapter 14, he says something very touching to me. Chapter 14, verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. God, you will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. You'll want me back, God, when I'm dead. You'll call and I will answer. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in, in a bag that you cover. You will cover over my sin. If a man dies, will he live again? He has seen that trees, the roots on trees, produce again. Is that what will happen? But if I die, God will miss me, and he will call, and I will answer. Eliphaz, again, talks about his empty words, um, filling his belly with hot east wind, (laughs) Um, you even undermine piety. His, your eyes flash. This is what Eliphaz says. Then Job says in chapter 16, I've heard many things like these miserable comforters. Are you all? Will your long-winded speeches never end? Um, again, we have Bildad speak and he gets worse. He says to Job, when will you shut up? When will you end these speeches? Be sensible, and then we can talk. Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? I asked Randall a while ago, why do you think they're so eager to find out something awful he has done? What do you think is the reason for that? So their sins look smaller. Say that really loud. So their sins look smaller. You know, something like that could happen to me. So obviously, I must be better than Jack. Surely he has done something that I've never done, something really awful that I've never done. They've got to keep finding out because they're worried about themselves more than they are worried about him. Uh, I had a good friend who was dying of lupus. She didn't know she was dying, but she knew she was really, really sick. And she had a friend. She had a friend who came to her and said, Are you sure there is something back there that you did? Maybe maybe there's a se- a family secret. Is there a family secret maybe that you're being punished? For? She came to me in the office just tears running down. I said, Listen, that's what the whole book of Job is about. Read the book of Job. That's what they're accusing him of. And Job thinks, you know. If I were such a sinner, then I would deserve that, but I am not that kind of sinner. Okay, we're going we're to go way on now to chapter 29 when Job defends himself. And this is what he really wants. He wants, he wants the presence of God again. He feels that the God he knew is gone is away, gone somewhere. Chapter 29, how I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me. Then he tells about how he was respected, Because, by the way, they they start listing things he did. I know you probably cheated a lot of people. (laughs) And, of course, they're thinking of things they have done. Verse 14, I put on my righteousness as clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. My eyes, I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched victims from their teeth. And then he said, I thought... I thought I will die in my own house, my days as numerous as the grains of sand. That's what I thought would happen. That's not happening. Uh, now he said, those same people that I used to help mock me. They mock me even in song. They sing songs about old Job. Look at verse 30 chapter 31. I think we need a, a plaque with this written on it and it ought to be in the homes of many people chapter 31 verse 1 I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl for what is man's lot when God's above his heritage from the Almighty on high is it not ruin for the wicked disaster for those who do wrong I made a, I made a contract with my eyes we need that taught. Verse 5, if I have walked in falsehood, or my foot has hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in the honest scales, and he'll know that I'm blameless. Uh, look at verses, uh, verse 16, if I have denied the desires of the poor, or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, of; it, or if I've kept my bread to myself, not shared it, If I've seen anyone perish for lack of clothing or a needy person without a garment, have I raised my hand against the fatherless? No. On down through this, I've rejoiced. Have I rejoiced in my enemy's disaster? I haven't even done that. I haven't wanted bad things to happen. And after he makes this passionate defense of himself, I've I've done everything I thought I could for other people, for for strangers and everybody. Uh, after he gives that passionate speech, some young guy named Elihu marches in. He's heard it all. For 22 verses, he just, he just talks and talks and talks. He just says things, uh, trying to look impressive. He says, yes, I'm young, but I know a lot of things. I know a lot more than a lot of you. Don't judge me because I'm young. And he goes on for chapters. Finally, in chapter 38, God speaks. And I had a friend to say, God comes in mighty heavy-handed <laughs> against Job. <laughs> I'm going to read some of this. I can't read it all. It's the greatest poetry about the nature of things. Uh, I love poetry. Can you tell Chapter 38. I'm sorry I've had to go so fast. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself and stand like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Who marked off its dimensions? Where were its footings set? Who laid the cornerstone? He begins to ask all these questions. Were you there? When I swaddled the ocean in clouds as it was taken from its mother's womb, were you there? Were you there when I fixed the limits of the sea? Were you there when I gave orders to the morning? Were you there? Did you tell the sun to rise in the east? Were you there when I made snow storehouses for the snow? Here, where the rain comes from. And after talking about these great things that happen in nature, he moves to animals and right on down to his ten, the tenderness of him. Do you know, chapter 39, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months? It's as though God counts the months until the doe is going to deliver. Um. Uh, Then probably the, this is one little bit of humor. (laughs) He talks about the ostrich, how stupid it is. Uh, Verse uh, 12, she lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. That when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. In other words, I even take care of a stupid ostrich. We've gone from I made all that, I even watch out for the ostrich. Then comes a really, if you like horses, oh gosh, I'm running out of time. That, that picture of the horse, if you like horses, you ought to have that written on your wall. That appeared in a movie. Does anybody remember the movie that appeared in? Do you give the horse his strength or close his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror? He paused fiercely. Does anybody know the movie? Secretariat. Secretariat. It's, at the, I think, the beginning of Secretariat. It's read out loud. And Job, look, here's all that. And Job says, chapter 40, verse 4, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And then God tells him some more. You know the behemoth? when We don't know what that was, maybe a hippopotamus. Do you know the Leviathan? We don't know what that was. It may have been a giant crocodile. We don't know what it was. It may have been some creature we don't know about. Do you know about those? I'm the one that made those. I'm the one that controls those. Do you know about those? Chapter 42, Job answers again. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Repenting of sins? No. He just didn't know who he was talking to. And he didn't know God cared for him. I've always thought, what would happen, I used to say this in the college classes, what would happen if the roof of the chapel often? There was God. <laughs> I said, I th- think of, of Devil's Mountain, all the soldiers and everybody and the people with the computers and uh, what th- encounters of the third kind. What is that? Close encounters. <laughs> they're all there, you know, and they've got their guns ready, and they've got their computers ready, and they're all walking around being very busy because they're going to have a meeting with an alien. And then that spaceship comes down and covers slowly the entire mountain suddenly men drop their guns, drop their hands, get their hands off the computer, and their mouths drop open. They weren't quite expecting that. It's as though that has happened to Job. ah! I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what, what I was talking about. At this point, God steps in and says, listen you guys, this man has spoken what is right and true. He has spoken the truth. Job has spoken of the greatness of God. We didn't read those passages. He talks about the greatness of God. And he's spoken of his own integrity. The fact that he had not sinned so phenomenally. Job, God recognizes that. I want Job to offer sacrifices for you three guys because you have not spoken what is right. You have been wrong about the whole thing. And after that, Job has stuff re- brought back to him. And uh, people say, well, I mean, you know, he kind of disproves the whole poem. The poem is, it's not that uh, good people get rewards. No, that's not it. The test is over. The test had a limit. It's over. And Job can go back to his life. Is it all well and good? I'm gonna ask Nan Smith. Ann Smith has five children. If two of them died, and I said to you, but you can have two more children, would it have been the same? Would would that have been the same? They're not the same. If I lost Leslie Reed and Aaron, and someone said, well, here are three more children. That's not Leslie Reed and Aaron. He didn't get everything back. He does not get back the children that he lost. And it doesn't really say that he is cured. He just has quit worrying about it. He has seen God. He has experienced God. And having experienced God, that's all he wanted. I'm going to give you a simple little example. Two minutes. Our bathroom is between our bedroom and where our kids grew up. When they got sick at night and knew they were going to throw up, they would walk pass the bathroom and- <laughs> to, to me and tell me I'm getting sick, I'm going to throw up. I would walk back with them. For the girls, I would hold their hair back. I would try to kind of hold their shoulders. And that's all. And it was enough. They knew I couldn't stop them from vomiting. They knew that was going to happen. They wanted my presence Job wanted to know that that God hadn't gone anywhere. He was there. He was with him through it all. He has experienced it. He has no more questions. It's okay. I don't have to know why I'm suffering. It's over. My book says um, that that is why this is a, a we love poem around the world we will never ever have an answer to human suffering there is suffering all over the world and we say well what there will never be an answer there is no answer and no answer is given and the silence of god in that regard is something we take we have to accept now Tony Ross will know when I die what happened. He'll say, "Well, she wouldn't exercise, and you could have filled a stadium with cheeseburgers she ate." <laughs> he will know why I died. But there are questions about human suffering which are never answered. They will never be answered. And that's that's the that's the blessing that the Book of Job is to us. Uh, there's probably more I was going to. Oh the writer says joseph is a suffering servant and he gets to see himself doing what he had dreamed his brothers are there he gets to help them out daniel is like that he gets to see the results of what he did job actually gets to see the end of his suffering and some results But the man who wrote this masterpieces of literature says The best example of the suffering servant is yet to come in Isaiah. The guy is not rich. He's not not rich like Job. He's not handsome like uh, Joseph. He is despised and rejected of men. And he suffers on behalf of all. And they kill him. He says the true fulfillment of the suffering servant theme comes in the book of Isaiah. This class is called Why I Love the Bible. Maybe you can see why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because it talks about the greatness and grandeur of God. Incredible gift of the whole universe which we know nothing about. The beauty of it all. The beauty of the planet on which we live. The beauty within that we've not even tapped. We don't even know all the intricacies of the inside of us. And to know that that great, grand, majestic God loves me is confident in me, considers me very good. That I was created very good. And that he has that kind of confidence that with faith, I can endure whatever comes. That's why I love the old testament. I also love all the poetry mm-hmm. and all the allegory and all the metaphor and all those things that come along with the telling of that story. I hope you love it, too. Mm-hmm. And I hope this class is making you love it even better.